Good afternoon. Hope you're good. And uh, as as happened to me earlier today, I realised in staring into a screen and getting it mirrored back at me that I forgot to have a shave this morning. So sorry for looking like a bit of a hobo. I will put that right tomorrow. But um, thank you for joining me. This is Chewing It Over. I'm Jack Chew, and we come at you 12.30 till 1 o'clock weekdays to talk about all things, usually, MSK practice. But ever increasingly getting all sorts of uh, diverse suggestions as to what we should uh, chat about, and usually... Um, probably I'd say maybe 60 to 70% of the shows have recently had guests on. And so I know how disappointed you must be whenever I tell you at this point in the show, there isn't a guest on today and you're going to have to put up with me um, and hopefully interact with me over the course of the next half an hour about today's chosen topic. Now, in, an interesting thing's happened today for us um, where 14 students started with us. Now, 10 of them we've had contact with. Four of them are on, on a, th a therapy live uh, placement and we've had some tech issues trying to get, get them involved. But yeah, technically, 14 students have joined us across our various businesses uh, today, undergraduate students, on their elective placements. And uh, it's, been, it's been brilliant to meet them. Great bunch. It's been a whirlwind few hours um, on a bit of Zoom, uh, some in-person stuff. I've had more people around the practice than we've had in, in months. Um, trying to make sure we, we talk through sort of sensible COVID precautions and, and make sure they get up to speed. But what it did mean is that I then said to them, what should I talk about today? Um, and so they, they then uh, seemed to be, you know, thought it wasn't a bad idea to then muse on all things undergraduate education. But also, I think I invited them to just quickly reflect on, you know, what, what are they looking forward to about the imminent graduating and joining the profession? And also then what challenges they face. Uh, as per usual, please let me know if you're listening live as to whether or not you can hear me okay. I know we've had a few bits of technical issues and with more people in our practice, so maybe my Wi-Fi might start straining or something like that. So please don't let me talk into the abyss if you can't hear me or there's uh, a dial I need to tweak or whatever, then do let me know. But um, instead, all being well, if the, if the technology is holding up, um, I want to just... Uh, Start off by asking you guys a question. If you're tuning in live, and by the way, you can get this on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, where else do we go? Twitter. Um, so wherever you might be wanting to, where you'd rather listen to this, it's probably there as well. Once it's recorded, you can also then um, listen on Spotify and stuff like that. So we post it after the show. It can go on your normal podcast players if you prefer it in audio and not to see our, have to see my face. Thank you, Paul Donnelly, for letting me know that it's working and you can hear me okay. Got James McCauley from down under. God, I wonder what time it is. What time is it where you are, James? Uh, he's tuning in and giving me a thumbs up to tell me, I assume, that uh, you're getting me loud and clear. So I want to ask you a question then um, as to what your general take is on MSK education at undergraduate level. Now, I say that almost as I'm typing it. It's probably a bit of a physiocentric question in a way. I know our audience is sort of fairly professionally diverse. Um, but, yeah, in this instance, these are 14 physio students that have joined us. And so, yeah, it should probably say the undergraduate MSK physiotherapy education. What's your take? Um, feel free to give us that in the comments section as to where you're, what you're thinking. But to be more specific, I just wondered what your general review of it is like so if you don't mind obviously between us what would you say you'd give it out of 10 in terms of what it's meant to do which is training the profession of you know the, the, the next generation 
how well do you think that they are equipped for MSK practice? Obviously, these are physiotherapy students, and so they are coming in um, as as physios, not as MSK physios. But that's why my question is sort of not, you know, just rate their their degree. It's me just saying how well prepared out of ten do you feel that they are coming into practice? I would say, or if you'd rather put some words to that rather than numbers, then fine. But just give us your take. You know, what's your thoughts on? MSK undergraduate practice at the moment. Sometimes that crops up. You can understand why. What, what is the baseline that people enter the profession at? It's a really interesting conversation. So we've talked about it many times on this show. Um, but I'll come back to that in case uh, any of you are going to brave it and, uh, and post some comments, I suppose. Some days I'll ask a question like that and I'll get inundated. And then other days you'll bottle it and you just hide away. And so I'm just going to hide the comments from myself for, for the minute so I don't get too distracted. But one of the things I wanted to start with is. Um, I asked them, you know, what are you looking forward to and what are you worried about? And the, the, the worry that's most obvious and, and it has cropped up on this on, on this show before and on, on other places um, through the Physiomatters First Steps project that we have is that there's a concern as to whether or not the pandemic has compromised their ability to be fully-fledged graduate physios. Is there a difference between them as graduates compared to their peers from yesteryear uh, how ready are they and i think that there's two things there there's the act of the act of being ready is such a challenging and sort of nebulous thing in msk practice anyway you know how ready can we prepare people to be i think the best models of of, of first jobs end up being a really supportive perceptorship approach where you ease people into it anyway um, so I always think that this should be an ex it shouldn't be a cliff edge when you graduate. It should be like a phased process. You go into an apprenticeship, an extended placement style environment. Proper juniorship in MSK is like so important. But the the climate, the work climate isn't really equipped for that increasingly. You know, you see less and less rotational posts, but you also see uh, less and less sort of you know, really supportive um, frameworks whereby people's diaries are really, truly interspersed with lots of training. You still get that in some of the teaching hospital trusts and stuff where you know, I'm talking like people sometimes think this is a pipe dream, but like it's not that long since you used to have you know, most days for your first few months, you had some sort of training provision or you had space spaces for some, some learning or some reflection between your patients and stuff. Whereas I feel, I feel like, especially from what I hear and what I experience, is that that's now um, certainly less of the case. And instead, it's just that the, you know, the, the Van Five has a certain amount of patients to be seen within an expected allotted time pro rata. And, and that's kind of what, what happens. And so that's where I can understand why people might be feeling that pressure when they graduate anytime. But when they graduate following a really adapted teaching model, as best they can, you know, we've spoken to many different uh, educators and higher education institution directorate, even on this show, where they've sort of reflected on how they've really truly done their best to, to, to minimize the disruption that occurs to students. But Let's be frank, it's been it's been something that has had to adapt very quickly in very challenging circumstances. Um, and that's not just in our sector. You know, the whole world's obviously been shaken up. And, and so physio students have, have uh, had to adapt significantly. Now, this is one of the things that I wanted to then talk about is that they've therefore been somewhat underexposed to what would be normal clinical practice. 
and I say normal, it's like you've been normal because, of course, clinical practice has been so disrupted. So really, you know, the, the, their exposure, as you would have normally had as a student a few years ago, is something that there was there's no amount of face-to-face -face encounters in the last 18 months even. So well, 18 months, a bit greedy into itself, 12 months that would have been anywhere near what would have been normal from before. But there is a there is a disruption there that, that that is relevant now there are also some really obvious upsides that i'm really interested to see how this plays out and we won't know for a few years but the graduating class of 2021 and of 2020 to some extent a far lesser extent they are going to be some of the most versatile adaptable and therefore, sometimes, you know, thoughtful clinicians that will have ever created because the way that they've had to go about, you know, their education being so disrupted, it's kind of obvious where the downsides of that are. And that I'm not for a second minimizing those challenges clinically. You know, I think, I think that's fair. Placement compromises, some of the modular changes that you hear about lack of practical where you know i certainly remember where i cut my teeth you know you kind of remember some of those sessions vividly where a penny dropped about treatment or or assessment or or just, you know manual treatments that you were learning and you just kind of got that feel for it there's something to be said about the fact that that's going to be hard to replicate to replicate and there might be some consequences downstream and we should create training provisions and learning needs analyses for that in practice but what you don't hear as much about is that there's this counterweight to that where we've asked undergraduates to be far more mature than we'd normally ask undergraduates to be. We've had, they've had to go about their life as students in, pandemic, in a pandemic, both in, in terms of their sort of aspiring professional role as well as personally. All the challenges that that faces means that you're going to have They've had to be far more versatile, far more understanding. And, and from what I've heard from many of you, you know, they have been, you know, they've, they've been really impressive. I think what's interesting as well, we've taken on 14 on this elective placement. And I wish I could say we've tried to create a sanctuary where they're like, oh, it's just been so chaotic all of this year. And then we come here and everything's been really so perfectly organized and the frameworks are in place. That ain't this placement, okay? And they've kind of encountered that a bit in the last few days. And I'm, I wish I wish it had been better organised. But in general, we've had to, uh, you know, it's been quite quick in coming. We're just trying to provide as much space as we can because of the other placement-related challenges across the country. So we're just trying to be creative. And, and if anything, we've had to apply um, a lot of our resource to trying to expand placement provision rather than consolidating the frameworks and the inductions and stuff. And so this, you know, you know hold my hands up, I admit we're not doing it perfectly. But I'm just meaning that the ways in which these students are forgiving of, of, of those sorts of things, that are willing to lean into innovative solutions, that are being creative and applying themselves and, and uh, asking great questions and taking the opportunities that are presented to them, there's a hunger there to learn that has been born in a way of the scarcity that the pandemic has brought them. And I think that we're not necessarily always having that side of the conversation either. You know, what are the weird sort of, you know, secondary gains almost of the pandemic for, from an MSK student education point? Like, what is it that might have made them 
um, you know, that adversity as uh, as then no doubt it's going to pay off in some. Now, weighing those things up is tough. You know, it could well be that that's a more of, you know, maybe people think I'm over glamorizing some of the narrow positives. You wouldn't have chosen them, by the way. I'm not trying to glamorize them to say, oh, maybe this is what we should, maybe we should have a pandemic style education year round. <laughs> not my point. But I'm meaning that there's trade off there. And if it's like an obvious net negative, then, you know, we need to correct that. But I also don't like the fact that some of these things and some of the students that I'm encountering both today and, and, uh, and, and over the last 12 months, I feel really impressed with what it's kind of how they've stepped up and how they are going to apply themselves so differently and how I'll admit that compared to some other professional disciplines within physiotherapy, like um, clinically specific disciplines, in our case, in MSK, versatility and adaptability and not craving templates and cookie cutter models to patient care on a clinical level, we need versatile thinkers like that. So weirdly, I think that it's almost going to self-select in our favor in some ways. You know, the adversity that they've been through that, of course, we wouldn't have chosen, that they're still going through, it's it's crap. But it's definitely a way that some benefit will come from the fact that they have had to be the resilience. If It's a bit cheesy, isn't it? Resilience and robustness sometimes gets overplayed. You know, I'd rather that it was a bit more, it was less exposing than it has been. But I think there's going to have been some benefit. And I'm excited to see that bear out. Now, I think done properly, you can then help to use in practice exposure clinically to upskill them where their gaps might be so that they don't feel like they've been undereducated to graduation. But then if you do that right, then I think that that's easier to teach than some of the traits that that they seem to be coming out with, and that flexibility, that versatility, that that way in which they're able to think on their feet and to be not craving narrow templated solutions or support, and to then have to go through their own autonomous thought processes to clinically reason as well as then to problem solve even non-clinical tasks associated to the job role. Just to think of, think of the juggling, think of the complex jigsaw puzzles that they've had to build in the, uh, in the time that they've been in their final year or so of their education. It's just crazy, crazy making. So I'm excited, I'll admit. I'm excited to work with these guys who I've only just recently met, and that's going to be really fun. And I hope we can create and provide a really good enriching learning experience for them. But I'm also excited for how we as an industry can absorb that next graduating class and benefit from some of the incredible um, experiences that they've had to overcome the real downsides to the gaps in their education. You know, can we step up as an industry to make sure that we do help them with those gaps and then also then lean on some of these incredible strengths that I think sometimes don't make it into the conversation and then some of that I've experienced today. And so it's kind of a really fresh in my mind. Now, there's this other bit, though, where there's a gap for what they feel like. They feel like there's a gap where they don't understand necessarily clinically feel a bit 
exposed underexposed to challenge clinically there's a gap between that and their perception of it though and i think how they might be received i guess is what i'm getting at is that i think that there's some worry um and they didn't necessarily these guys haven't articulated this necessarily so i suppose i'm i'm, I'm maybe speaking out of turn but i've heard from other students and i've sort of observed from some of my peers and my colleagues that to some extent there is this sense that i wonder just how behind that graduating class will be in such a way as if to think well you know if it's neck and neck for candidates then you'd take someone that's not had to go through this adapted educational process you know it's almost like they are not taking it on a case-by-case -case basis they are recognizing that well there's some fatal compromise to their degrees like their degrees would have an asterisk next to them like it's a pandemic degree and i think we need to be incredibly careful for a few reasons one is that you completely underestimate the stuff i've just said about just how incredible these people might be and, and actually the, the skill set that they've come out with could well be and net positive especially if appropriately supported and reassured about the the, the clinical gaps but also because i think it's it's judgmental it's excessively prejudiced it's it's painting with too broad a brush it's it's certainly all of the all of the wrong things that could come from them thinking that way and i think that downstream of that ends up being even more of a workforce problem than we already face in msk practice um i think it also spooks people into other disciplines that might well have every every discipline of say physiotherapy has got you should have um, clinical reasoning running through the heart of it but there are certain disciplines that they might feel more they might feel like there's less clinical variation they might go into a you know even to a like a fall service which is a complex clinical area but you go into a false service you've got some complexity but you've also got some similarity whereas msk can sometimes feel like overexposing and so it might well be that if we are going to uh, have an atmosphere around msk practice that makes us almost skeptical of the of their their skill set instead of being embracing of how we might be able to help them and to integrate i think we will lose them to neuro to falls to community because i think that they will then think that and understandably so that there's there's just some security in having more tightly parameterized clinical tasks to do right when you go and see your patients for the assessments as a new band five then having it within the realms of a, a particular um you know in the community for example and knowing where you're going with that it's very complex in many ways but there is something to be said for the fact that that person's needing to be seen domiciliary there is something that comes with that being known you know the immobility almost is inherent whereas in msk practice especially when it's something that is at wrist coming in is an ankle coming in is a back coming in and what chronicity of back is coming in what what's their character in terms of what's the character's functional needs as well as what their personality it's like you've got lots of moving parts now i'm not even arguing by the way that msk has got more moving parts than something any other given discipline within physiotherapy but i'm definitely admitting though that if we there's, there's a there's a perception at least that, that there is something more daunting it's more affronting there's something to be said about the fact that our patients are often less disabled say than other areas you know than the icu than the medical wards than anything that where they've had to be hospitalized or even you know um domiciliary where they, they can't get out and about 
and this because because then you're interacting sometimes with your peers sometimes even age matched peers with sore body parts that you're trying to help there's something quite confronting to that from what i've heard from so many different people and i recognize and remember from from my own time as a new graduate and so i think what will happen is if we don't create a welcoming environment for them i think we will lose them to other disciplines and i think we we would deserve to lose them to other disciplines and so we need to think about creative ways in which we can can do that now I would say this, but MSKR's Manifesto for Reform speaks directly to that in saying that we should have a preceptorship process whereby um, providers of, of, of new graduate jobs would link in with their the university to try to bridge that gap and to bolster MSK practice so that they don't necessarily feel like they have to go and be obliged to do some wheel of rotations into, into generic subjects when they might have a passion for MSK. But similarly, they don't just want to double down on MSK and only have to learn through experience because they're kind of under-mentored. So we need to try and find that. And we were speaking about that before the pandemic. But I think for these reasons of what I've just said, I think the pandemic should only sharpen our take on that, really. Um, I think um, what one of the things as well is there's a sector-specific thing there as well in that if the NHS provides smart provisions and the private sector doesn't then i think they're going to lose out on the talent and would deserve to but similarly if innovative private practices in a in a buyer's market were to create circumstances that meant that they graduates felt more comfortable and felt more supported moving into msk roles following the pandemic I think that they will then be richly rewarded in a recruitment sense, which we all know is a significant cost across sectors. And so I think that that will play a part. And I think that that's something that we're going to watch play out in terms of the, the interesting way that workforce is going to going to play. Um, really interested to see, um, I'm pulling these up on screen and it might be abuse. I doubt it will be because it's Graham Pogue. So yeah, Graham Pogue, who's the, the, the outgoing head of school at Notting the University of Nottingham's Physio School which I graduated from, and so uh, judge them as you will for that. But uh, he said that he thinks in the last year, of course, flexibility and resilience to have been developed, possible more than previous years, but there will be a detriment in development of reasoning, etc. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad well, it's relieving that Graham seems to be seems to be agreeing with me there. That's, that's good. It's not losing them. All areas of practice need the new ideas and challenging questions grads to bring, challenging questions grads bring with them. Yes. Now, Graham, this is where I will admit, like, I don't feel tribally MSK, but I do think that to some extent we, we do have sort of careerist MSK professionals. I am one of them. A brief fling with rotations, but I never wrote, once I rotated onto MSK, I never left MSK, and it was always in my DNA. Um, I always knew I was going to be doing that. Loved some of my student experiences elsewhere, particularly into paediatrics and, and neuro. But that's why I said it would be losing them, is that admittedly we have such interesting shortages. Now, I think there should be better integration, I think, between disciplines, especially for senior staff. And I think that sometimes MSK clinicians that neglect some of the interesting neuro and respiratory factors and features are uh, missing something and vice versa i think that sometimes the aversion to msk that some of my colleagues have elsewhere i think is a real shame 
but I will admit that when I use the language of like losing them to other disciplines, I, you know, I do mean it because I, I know that there's a workforce challenge. And I also know that sometimes that's that um, a really positive experience early in your career can sometimes really set the tone for what you choose then to do. And therefore, if you've got someone that's on the fence that probably in a more supportive environment would have fancied MSK that then ended up going into, say, neuro or elsewhere, any of the other things I've just mentioned, and then they have that support and protection and they, you know, that might be the thing that then turns them on to never really giving MSK another chance. It's not as if they then, you know, this whole suite of rotational options and opportunities just don't necessarily seem to um, always present. and, and that. That's why I do admittedly think that you would be, I would feel that would be a shame, shame to lose them uh, to anyone else. <clears throat> the MSK, at least MSK getting a good shake at it. I think that's where I'm, uh, I'm most passionate. Um, so yeah, please, by the way, I asked earlier in the, in the show, a few more of you joined live. Thank you so much uh, to, to those that are sort of commenting and, and uh, giving their, giving their thumbs up uh, at various different places uh, across LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter, et cetera. Um, but yeah, just out of interest, those that are tuning in live, what is it that, uh, what's your take on, on MSK undergraduate education as it currently stands um, in light of the pandemic and how compromising will it have been, uh, in your opinion? Um, many people have been in touch to say that they've, uh, they've had some really great experiences with, with students because of the reasons I've mentioned, like the resilience and robustness and stuff. Graham's mentioned here about the potential potentially the development of detriment in development of reasoning it's like that's so hard isn't it like how would you retrofit that in education that'd be so hard you did the, some of the clinical reasoning there's no case studies there's there's no role play that can really help you think on your feet and to aspire to a clinical reasoning model of practice rather than a protocol a template a cookie cut it's only through exposure and experience and, and quality education mentoring you know um, placement based exposure alongside a senior that hopefully is then also a, a sort of decent in the making you a reflective learner that's where your clinical reasoning really sharpens now if it is the case then that they're underexposed to that style of thinking then we surely like what is the option other than to make those things part of the graduating process Sorry, one man about get a part of the graduate role, the scheme, like the, the new, the new job. So if they, these are graduates that are then coming into practice, then what is the option if we don't build that into the front of their graduate career? I just do. I can't see one. I can't see how it works if we don't do that. And I know that that has some service level provision challenges to freeing up diaries and freeing up educators. But I know I would say this, but. <laughs> There's plenty of stuff on the internet now to educate people in MSK practice. There's plenty of ways in which you can use that as leverage to get ahead on an education session. We hear some brilliant initiatives in practice for not just juniors, not just new graduates, but like is um you know listen to the, listen to this podcast come and we're going to reflect on it together for an hour on Monday. Why don't you uh, observe this this uh, this video clip from from Therapy Live and then and read this associated article by the speaker who's also the author and we're going to talk about tendinopathy on Wednesday. That's not necessarily just a new graduate exercise, but you're using and leveraging the multimedia education materials. So you're not saying that 
that person, we all know that if you're delivering an in-service training, then the prep is at least as long as the delivery. Whereas if you've got someone that then has already engaged with that material because they're paying attention to evidence-informed practice on the internet and they're on social media and they're hungry for that information as a clinician, if they're asked on Wednesday, do you mind having the new graduates, there's 10 of them, on uh, at 11 o'clock till 12, the way in which they could use multimedia education resources to then mean that they could then chair that discussion and engage that discussion and, and invest that hour rather than can you teach them and present something where they need to at least have two hours prep ahead of that if they haven't already got the materials or even if they do have the materials they're therefore not individualizing it and having a discussion are they? they're just going to present it's death by powerpoint so i think i think it's um it's interesting for me to try to hear about ways in which people are integrating especially because i hear about it as integrating our materials and our events and our, our shows or whatever but beyond that you know there's some fantastic work going on from even nicer doing tra more translation material under pressure from us and mskr of course but graham's got back to me um thanks for still listening in graham i didn't know if i'd, I'd lost you uh, i'm not against the careerist approach i just feel that the learning experiences prior to making that decision need to be effective and allow informed decisions to be made we all know that in msk we come across issues that would fit within other and then what else do you say within other specialities and without experience, they can't be factored into our reasoning and informed decisions. Yes, absolutely. So again, I think we, we definitely agree there, Graham. I just, uh, I admit your previous comment did, uh, did make me realize that I was probably speaking almost tribal MSK there where I was trying to, trying to uh, make sure we, we got some of the talent into MSK practice. That's where my main passion lies, but there's definitely, there's definitely such an important part of, of, of exposure and experience in other disciplines and if you've not had them on your placements then i think that's one of the really strong arguments for rotational positions one of the things that i got away with not rotating much as a graduate is because i had incredible breadth of experience as an undergraduate like it's weird i don't i doubt they can still do it especially in the pandemic but the nottingham uni placement scheme where we had and an orthopedic placement, an MSK placement, and a respiratory placement, and a neuro placement, and a pediatrics placement, and a community placement. Like, I, and and that wasn't a coincidence because other unis had other graduates had me on said placements where they were like on their on their third placement of a similar flavour and stuff. So, absolutely phenomenal. So the fact that I'd had that meant that I think I probably did get away with with rotating less as a graduate. So if you've not had that as a student, then there's, I think that's a good case for that exposure across the piece. But I just hope that when they do encounter MSK, in whatever context, they have a good experience because we've accounted for the fact that there might be some gaps there. Not gaps that haven't also got some upside somewhere, but I think that that is, that is really important, that we can retrofit where possible those sorts of um, provisions to actually get them up to speed. Because if we don't, then what, I mean, what, what on earth is the consequence like how that won't last will it imagine the drain from the profession then right if we don't create a supportive environment people have a really miserable shitty two years as a graduate in in msk or elsewhere and they're just like i can't do this i've, I've never been able to feel like i've aspired to an actual expertise i'm under mentored uh, my seniors are, are drawn too thin just beasting beast being beasted away just seeing loads of patients and stuff they're just gonna leave 
So as if we, that's so well paid that they, they, they're not going to be able to go on the bins for similar money in many ways. So it's not as if we're going to be able to retain them in the profession. So what are we going to do it unless it's actually bolstering the resources for graduates in industry? And as, as, as employers, we come up with those ideas and solutions or be creative about how we link better with the universities of which from which they've graduated, which is MSKR's policy, of course, then uh, I think that's really important. But yeah, thank you so much. Um, sorry I haven't got to all your comments and questions and stuff, but any suggestions that you have, post them on the chat wherever you're listening to this uh, for any future episodes, including any guests that you want me to get on the show. But yeah, I'm, I'm in overtime. I'm ranting. Uh, thank you so much, Graham Pope. Um, of course, uh, former former teacher of mine. At, uh, it's always an honour that he did, still talk to me. So that's good news. Um, so I really appreciate that. And, and Graham, I keep meaning to get in touch with you to try and get you on the show as well, um, because it's uh, you know fascinating. And, and congratulations on your retirement and stuff. Um, a, a job well done, um, inspiring so many people. So yeah, thanks for tuning in and, and, and being as ever thoughtful with your your comments and commentary today. Uh, please do join. It won't be me tomorrow, will it? On a Tuesday, I think it'll be. It'll be maybe Jim or Tom uh, covering tomorrow's session whilst I uh, wrestle with the twins, but I'll be back on Wednesday for more chewing it over. And in the meantime, let me blare some music and a fancy uh, video at you as my outro, as I say bye for now. Yeah.